G'day everybody, it is episode 15 of the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Aaron Noonan, Dimitri Camino with you as we talk model cars of all sorts. Uh, Dim, welcome back. It is our second last episode of the year. We're going to take a look at the second-hand market of Bathurst 1000 winners covering the early noughties from 2001 to 2010. Again, bunch of questions, but uh, a bunch of new stuff has arrived at uh, Motor Focus in Queensland. Tell us some more. Yeah, g'day, Nooms. Uh, it's great to be here with you again. The, this is uh, fast approaching Christmas now, so we've all been pretty busy and looking forward to a break. But this week in the just arrived section, not a lot of models, but uh, authentic collectibles have uh, sent us the beautiful jigsaw puzzles. Uh, so we've got the three there. There's the 1994 Bathurst winner, the Clash of the Titans, and the True Blue Rockstar jigsaw puzzle. So all a thousand pieces and uh, certainly keep you busy over the Christmas break. Clash of the Titans is the famous uh, 1981 Lakeside Touring Car Championship decider between Peter Brock and Dick Johnson that, of course, was decided in Dick's favour. First of five championships for DJ and it's a race that he holds very special. I know a lot of people who were there that day. We get asked a lot to release it on DVD, but there's no full race vision. There's only a couple of minutes of highlights that I think are lurking around in the Channel 7 files, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, they're rippers. In fact, my nana is a jigsaw fiend, loves jigsaws, goes nuts on them. I reckon I should get her one of these because I don't think she's ever done a jigsaw puzzle with race cars in it. Normally it's nice sceneries or it's all sorts of, um, uh, you know, patterns and designs, all sorts of things. I reckon she needs a true blue falcon or a shell FAI falcon to keep her busy this Christmas. I think I might have to get one of these. Yeah, you'd be the best grandson in the world after that. Um, <laughs> you could also uh, get a, the the 8 for 888 uh, limited edition print that um, has just arrived as well. I could. I'm not sure that she's at the, the point of wanting to add more things to the walls, though, at, at her house. Uh, I think she's probably in a declutter mode now. It's sort of that period you get to where you don't want lots of new stuff because you just don't need it. So, But I'm sure there's plenty of Triple Eight fans out there who need this one. This is the print that celebrates their eighth Bathurst 1000 win. Nice uh, play on words, of course, being Triple Eight as well. Celebrating all eight from 2006 with Lands and Wing Cup right through to Van Gisbergen and Tanda this year. So a, a bunch of wins in Fords, three of them, and five in Commodores. So Lowndes, Steve Richards, Wing Cup, uh, Tanda, Van Gisbergen all featured on, on that print. So... It's limited to just 250 of those prints. It's unsigned, but it is highly limited. It's only 250, and it's a pretty good price. Pretty good price point is what I'm trying to say. It's been a very long year, Dim. It's been a very long year, my friend. But uh, yeah, there's there's stock of that uh, uh, at Motor Focus now. If you're a Triple Eight fan, and if you're a Nissan fan too, there's some good news as well. If you love your your Skylines. Yeah, correct. So, uh, Salido have uh, put out a Nissan Skyline GDR R34. So, we get asked for Skylines a lot, and particularly the 34. So, finally, we've got something that we can uh, provide for people's collections there. So, there's a there's a metallic blue with a silver wheel combination, as and they've also done a uh, Advan sponsored car, which is sort of black with with uh, the red, and then it's got gold wheels. So something to check out on our website for the for the Nissan fans. I'm sure there's plenty of fans who love their GDRs and would love to add those ones to their collection. So they're in the just arrived list, but there's also been a, 
a pre-order announcement this week from Classic Collectibles. Uh, we talked about this, I think, in previous episodes about them using their Tirana A9X mould and getting some more models out of that. And they're going to wheel out a car that was driven by two legends of the sport at Bathurst in 77, which is probably overshadowed because of the 1-2 finish by Ford. But the fact that these two guys paired up was pretty special. Yeah, definitely. Noons, uh, so Classic Collectibles have just put out a poster announcing the Bob Jane, Ian Gagan, Holden Tirana A9X from 1977 uh, Bathurst race. And it's such a pretty looking car. It's the orange car. Uh, I think the main sponsor was Bob Jane, but had the cleaver down the side as well. But really pretty car. Excellent um, detail model that'll, that'll come through as well. So that's uh, available for pre-order now. And both of those guys, great race winners. Bob Jane, of course, at Phillip Island and then at Bathurst and Pete Gagan, winner with Alan Moffat in 73. That car, the actual car, uh, is one that Gary Rogers rode off at Amaru. Remember that? So Gary Rogers acquired that car the next year. Bob Jane stopped racing it um, and had a massive shunt. Remember the old stop corner at Amaru Park where there was a wall straight in front of you? Uh, yeah, ploughed in there and, uh, yeah, Buckled that one pretty fiercely. So uh, that that on that A9X didn't survive, but it's great that those two legends of the sport are being celebrated with their uh, their '77 Bathurst car. Uh, we'll get to secondhand market in just a tick. I know there's plenty of people who are pretty keen to know what their uh, Bathurst car collection is worth. But uh, a few more questions rolling in this week, uh, if you don't mind. I'll start off the batting with Gary Nolan, and he says he can't remember a one eighteenth or a one thirty. 143rd. I can't even talk today. That's how good I'm going. It's been such a long year. Um, he can't recall either of those two scars being made of the Nissan Skyline DR30 or the HR31. So he's a little bit surprised by this because he knows about Bluebirds, obviously Authentica working on a, a Group C Bluebird. We've seen GTRs from the era. But he says these cars seem to be overlooked. They had some good runs at Bathurst. I mean DR30s were second and third in uh, 87. Uh, third and fourth in 89. Uh, and, of course, that was the car, the HR31, that underpinned Jim Richards winning the touring car title in 1990. Yes, he moved to the GDR late that year for the last couple of rounds, but the bulk of his work that won him that title was in the, the HR31. So uh, Gary's question is, this is a mystery to me why these have all been overlooked. Um, apologies if they've been released and he's totally missed them and been living under a rock. But if not, what are the chances for any of these being released in the future? And I think he's right, though. I can't remember seeing any of these over the journey, but what's your take? Yeah, Gary, uh, I totally agree with him in the way that uh, these cars need to be made. They, they certainly haven't been made in any form in those scales or, or any scale to date. Uh, it's something that, that has been talked about, and I think that they will get done in the future. It's just a matter of, um, I think... It, probably is going to have to be a resin model to, to, to be able to do the, the, the runs and the quantities and things like that. But plenty of, uh, like he says, plenty of great drivers, great liveries. You know, it's, it's a car that, that we definitely need in our collection. And, um, you know, look at, the, look at the success of the pre-orders on the, on the Bluebird. So it's just uh, hopefully maybe next year we can start to see some announcement on that car. But... Um, totally agree. It needs to be done, and I'm sure it will be done in the future. 
good news, I guess, too, for whichever company in Australia decides to do them, that there are those real cars, the DR30 and the HR31, there's multiple examples of those that have survived. So to be able to go and scan those to create them as a resin model is certainly quite doable. And it's not a case that those cars have all been uh, shipped overseas or destroyed or no longer exist. So that's a, that's a really huge help. Is there anyone with a mould for those models from overseas that you know of that or would a, a company like say an authentic or a classic or a Bianti have to do it from within and, and start all over again themselves? Yeah, look, right now there's, there's nothing available as such. Um, so it, it probably, yeah, but, but if uh, an Australian company wants to make a mold of that, they'll get the numbers, you know, it, it's mm. just probably going to have to be in resin, but so they can't utilise anything right now. Um, so the door is there if they want to uh, open it and, um, and get stuck into that car. I think there'd be a lot of really passionate, pumped-up Nissan fans if that one was to happen. Uh, Darren Childs is next. Uh, he has gone the right way here to get his question asked. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. He's in. He can get his question answered. Uh, with Bianti doing the XAGT sedan, do you think there's a chance they'll do a version of the XAGDHO Phase 4, hopefully in Calypso Green? Uh, good question, Darren. I... I don't know if they'll go down that path at this stage. Um, I think we're going to see variations in colour going forward for now. Um, is there a lot of difference between a Phase 4 road car and an XAGT? There's, there are probably little differences, but externally it's probably not a lot that I can think of. Um, obviously, the, the Phase 4 Moffat car had a, had a roll cage in it and things like that, uh, but... In a, in a brief discussion with Richard, it's not on their radar at this point in time. Okay. They've got big radars. They've got a lot already on their radar. So Yeah, they do. I think it's one of those things that if we keep hammering them, uh, you never know your luck in a big city that uh, one of these things that we keep hammering them about, you in particular, uh, to uh, one of those might sneak through to the keeper and we might get one of them, get them in the system. Shannon Davidson asks a very short and simple question. But it's got, I think this is a big topic for us to discuss. Why hasn't Peter Brock's Daytona Coupe been made in a model as yet? Now, there is a lot to unpack out of a question like that. Um, obviously, it's the car that Peter lost his life in, but it's the car that was rebuilt after the accident uh, by Peter Champion and had it rebuilt. There was the scenario because it was an asset that, from my memory, that, well, there needed to be a return on the asset. Um, of the actual car so uh, and plus it also stopped it getting into the wrong hands or anything being done with it that would have been deemed perhaps unsavory is it good taste or bad taste for a brock daytona coupe model to be made i guess that's the question that springs into my mind yeah look I, and i think that's the that's the hurdle right now is is the is it distasteful is it disrespectful um and i think that's why Things haven't happened. Um, in my opinion, look, I think it should be made. Like, we, we don't specifically have to do the Targa West car. They could certainly do the Targa Tasmania livery version. Uh, there are differences between those two cars. Um, there may be some resistance to, to the owner of the vehicle as well that, that, that they sort of 
don't want to push the barrow with right now. Um, but, you know, the whole distasteful thing is is a fair argument. Um, there are other examples, of, like like Anton Senna's car that he that he that he died in has been made, and you know it's very popular. Um, I think that the Daytona should be made. It, it's part of the history. It's part of what what he raced and what he loved to race. Um, but I do get the point about uh, that the hurdle with is it distasteful. Um, are they exploiting Brock's death to make money? Well, that's another argument. But, you know, they've made plenty of cars since his passing, you know, and then there's profit in that. But, you know, there's benefit to to, to the community or, or the car community as well. I think the other factor that springs into my mind is a model car company, the PR, potential for bad PR here is quite a real scenario particularly in the world of social media and uh, how often do we see things that organizations do or plan to do haven't even done them yet uh get absolutely panned for and decide to backtrack and change their their tact or their strategy or their their plan my personal feeling is that i mean it's up to the individual on what they want i think as individuals we're all responsible for our own actions our own thoughts our own feelings I'm sure that there will be plenty of people out there who will say it's it's the end of the Brock racing career. It's a part of the the the, the history, albeit not a history that is is great. But it's you can't take the bad with the good and the good with the bad. You've got to have it all together. On the flip side, I also see that it you know it, it could be deemed in bad taste. There could be quite a backlash. I don't think that personally. I don't think there'll be a model company. Who would go there? I, I think that they would. There are so many other Brock cars to make still, albeit not um, uh, base core cars, but a lot of them are different versions of existing bodies and things like that. I think that there's still a, a way to go before we get to that. But maybe I'd be really interested to hear. This is probably a question for us to pose the different model brands. Maybe you can shoot them a note during the week. We've got one more episode next week between Christmas and New Year. Maybe let's just get their two-line response on uh, what their position is. Would would they be interested in doing it? If not, why not? And if so, why? Maybe that's what we need yeah. to do because at the end of the day, they are the organisations that are in the position that could uh, make something like this happen if they sh- should, should choose to do so. Yeah, that's a fair fair point, Noons. Um, you know, I'm sure they've looked at it and thought about it. Uh, I think Bianchi is the obvious one to make it as they were a major sponsor of, of Peter Brock and, and that, that particular car. So, um, yeah, maybe um, Richard could shed a bit of light on it. And, you know, like you say, it's the whole trolling thing. That, you know, I'm sure if we put a poll out there and said, would you like it made or not? Overwhelmingly, I think that uh, people would want it made. Well, we can actually put a poll on the V8 Sleuth website when we put up this Motor Focus Model podcast story uh, with the link to uh, and the player to this episode. So uh, we might make that a little mission and uh, put together a poll on that Brock Daytona and just get a gauge and see let's call it a bit of market research for uh, the model car companies. We might be doing their job for them a little bit, but 
I really don't know which way this thing would swing. I, I could, I, no result would surprise me whether it was fully against, fully pro, or somewhere in the middle 50 50. I wouldn't be shocked by anything, but I am really interested on um, which way people are, are thinking and, and feeling about that car. So, Shannon, um, it's a ripping question because it's, it opens more cans of worms than we've probably got time for. But um, I think your point's another good one too. You, obviously, the Ayrton Senna Williams FW16 that he was sadly killed in at San Marino, um, well, the San Marino Grand Prix, it was in Italy, not in San Marino. Uh, it, it's the final um, full stop on the Senna chapter. So if you are a Senna car collector, you kind of need that one to finish the collection. But I guess there'll be some people who just, it's too awkward and too difficult. So I think it's a, a personal choice. But I think we live in a world now, mate, I'm interested in your take, that um, if, if it was to be made, no one's making anyone buy it. No one, because you, you're not being guilted into buying it if you've got lots of other Peter Brock cars if you didn't feel comfortable or if you didn't want it or if you didn't like it, that's totally fine. But I guess we live in a world where you, a company could put it out there and it's there for those who want it, but th- those who don't will be loud and nasty and angry. And I understand why they feel that way, but I, gee, I, I, I just don't know. I, I probably haven't given my personal opinion because I've been trying to form one while we've been talking, but um, I've got quite a few model cars. I don't have a specific. Uh, I've got most of his Bathurst winners, not quite all of them, but most of them. I've got some of the other cars: the twenty-four hour Monaro, the Sierra, the the M three BMW. Um, I saw his seventy-six Le Mans BMW the other week, and I thought I should buy one of those, and I forgot to uh, go through with it, so I might have to get one of those. I've got the nine five six Porsche, but ah. Oh, it's not one I would chase. It's not one I would go and um, make it a must-have on my list. There's probably lots of other cars that I, I would go. I wouldn't be offended, though, if it was made. It's just not for me, I think, is the best way to to just yeah. explain it. Yeah. Look, I, I, I won't sit on the fence with this one. I'll say it, it should be made. Um, you know, like I said, let's do the Targa Tasmania car. And uh, even if we le- left it at that... Um, you know, people are already getting the Shelby brand of that. Uh, they've done a, a, a Cobra Daytona and people are doing it like a Code 3, but it's it's rather inaccurate when you, when you look at the two cars. But people just want something in their collection and uh, I, I think uh, I'm all for it. Um, I, I get that point, but, you know, the overwhelming majority, I think, would, would be happy to purchase... A Brock Daytona. All right. We'll run a poll and we'll report back uh, on the last episode uh, before the year is out. Uh, one more question uh, from Zach. He says, uh, great podcast, first of all. Good man, Zach. Well done. People are cluing onto this. They know how to get their question into uh, the Motor Focus Model podcast. He said, secondly, what's the whole set worth of Bathurst winners from the 63 Cortina to the 2020 Commodore, but including the dirty version of the 2017 Erebus Reynolds Yulden car and the disqualified Texaco 87 Sierra of Soper and Judone. Now, we're going to knock the Texaco car out right now. Did not win Bathurst. Crossed the line first, but he's not the winner of the race. Not in the list, doesn't count, doesn't matter, but I do have one, by the way. So 
I wouldn't mind knowing Jim what's it worth on the on the lowdown between you and me. Yeah, look, I think Zach's, you know, he's got to listen to our next podcast where we, we uh, finish off right through to uh, the 2019 car uh, and we can, uh, we'll get the calculator out and we'll add it up for him. So uh, he's jumping the gun there. Uh, as far as the uh, disqualified Texaco Sierra, look, nice model, Mini Champs did it. Bit of a hard one to get now and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you could get Five or six hundred dollars for that. Cool, good to know. I've got one of those parked away somewhere, so that's. Oh, I'm I'm very happy. This is this is good. We can add that to our total value of our Bathurst winners collection. If it's good, if it's bad, we don't want to know about it. <laughs> uh, we're focusing on the the era two thousand one to twenty ten, and the, the same car and team and lead driver won in 01 and 02. Mark Scaife, Holden Racing Team, Commodore VX. It was the same chassis. In fact, the very same car. Uh, just with a slightly changed livery and different co-driver and I'm sure a couple of different bits in it as well. So Scaife and Longhurst won in 01. Scaife and Jim Richards won in 2002. Each time Bianti made 3,000 of each of those cars. And the value, you, you reckon about 800 bucks for each of those. So clearly it's not a huge run of models. And I think over time, the legend of the golden child that that car was called is only going to grow. So I could see that sneaking up. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's like you say, there's, there's a good history in, in that car. Um, popular drivers, popular team. And uh, so, yeah, $800 is, is a good price for it at the moment. And um, it, it may climb a little higher in the future. Next one is a car that I think is probably the most valuable Bathurst winning model car of any car. 2003, Greg Murphy, Rick Kelly, Kmart 51, uh, VY Commodore, the lap of the gods car, as it was famously called from that pole position lap of Murph on the Saturday afternoon with a 2 minute 6.8594. It is etched into the memory bank that time. Uh, they produced the same amount, the ante, of that model as the previous two years winning cars, but it's worth double. Is this purely lap of the gods gone nuts, or why is this thing worth about 1500 bucks? Yeah, look, I think it has to be the lap of the gods, the the, the domination of that of um, that pairing there, and you know it it certainly wasn't a fifteen hundred dollar model back when it was released, but it it just shot up years a couple of years later, and it and I, maybe fifteen hundred is is being a little conservative as well, but uh, really? it's just such a such a hard model to find and. Um, you know, people just won't let them go. Uh, like whenever you watch that 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 footage back of of the top ten shootout, and uh, Murphy just he didn't just win pole. He, you know, he smashed them, and um, mm. you know the commentary was just just captured it all as well. So you know, it was a great moment, and then to back it up the next day with the win was was just superb. Yeah, he and Rick Kelly, I think, led something like one hundred and twenty odd laps of one hundred and sixty one. So. They were deserved winners that year, and Rick was the youngest ever Bathurst 1000 winner. I think he was only 20 at the time, and that's a record that hasn't been uh, beaten. He couldn't beat his own record the next year when they won a game because he was a year older by that stage. But 2004, so that year, you'll remember in 03, it was number 51, which was Murph's number. But in 04, they drove car 15, which was, it was Rick's chassis, his regular season car, so hence why it stayed as 15. Uh, again, they paired up, they won the race. But this was, and I can 
speak about this in depth a bit. I won't go fully in depth, but uh, I was the PR guy for the team that year. So the Kmart uh, toy sale, uh, Spider-Man livery. So the point of that was that there was a, a Kmart toy sale that was starting the week, I think, after Bathurst. And the hot one of the hot things at the time was Spider-Man 2, the, the film and the associated toys. So that was the um, toy of choice that was used to promote the, the toy sale, uh, which came through Marvel, being Spider-Man being a Marvel uh, character. I think there was actually half a headache in the aftermath because I think the team had – and I handled the PR. I wasn't fully involved in the commercial. But I have a feeling that the team had discussed with Haven the potential, um, which I think Haven were the licensing company for Marvel, that if this car wins, they'll make model cars. So, oh, okay, great, no worries, all good. And, of course, the car won the race and they went off and made model cars. And I, th- I think there might have been half a little bit of a blue. I, my memory's a bit hazy on hearing this secondhand uh, because I don't think they had factored in that the thing could win. And then I think they thought it won, so they'll make a mozza out of the licensing. But I think the original agreement wasn't quite as big as maybe they thought it might, might have been or something along those lines. But whatever the case... Um, it distinguishes that car from the previous year's car. And they were two different chassis. They weren't the same car that won those races in two years. But the Spider-Man elements, the number 15 instead of 51, uh, they made more of that car than the 03 winner. They made 3,300 Bianti. Why did they sneak a few extra? Do you think that they thought, well, last year's was really popular, the Spider-Man thing will help, we'll do a couple more? Do you do you reckon that was the thing? Yeah, look, I, I think it comes down to again they used to the the system was the same back in those days where they would put out order forms and they'd collate orders so after this success of the 03 car uh there's probably a few more people that said i i better get the 04 and uh you know combined with the with the spider-man on it something a bit different so there's probably a few spider-man collectors out there that just had to have it that may may not have been even into car racing Mm. so you know to, to find an example of that one now, uh, you, you're going to pay around $1,000. Good news. I've got one of those tucked away somewhere in the cupboard downstairs. That's, that's good to hear. Uh, Holden were on a streak through this period of Bathurst Dim. 2005, it came to an end after that year. Scaife and Todd Kelly won for HRT. 3,096, a little bit of a strange number there of how many they produced of the VZ number two HRT Commodore. Todd Kelly winning Bathurst on his birthday. Actually, I think he was 26 from from memory. Uh, being a factory Holden Bathurst winner, not huge, massive numbers. 650, you reckon, is about the number for that? Yeah, I think so. 650 is a, a fair price for that uh, model at the moment. Um, I think, you know, it can sort of sneak up a bit in the years to come. Um, HRT, Bathurst win, you know, always going to be popular. So Bianti had a great run there of Bathurst winning models and it came to an end when Holden's win came to an end, the, the streak for Holden, I should say, in 06 with Craig Lance and Jamie Winkup who started their own three-peat. So this put the Bathurst winners for the rest of the decade into the hands of classic collectibles. So uh, 2006, the Better Electrical Falcon, that's the first one to have the Peter Brock trophy, not just awarded on the day, but actually inside the, the box. They did 5,250 of these uh, and I remember that one of them, I had to go and buy. Actually, no. You know what? My mum went and bought one for Jamie Winkup because I think a year or two later, 
he didn't have one and he knew that I was a bit of a model car fan and he couldn't get one through the team because all their allocation was gone. So he thought, I better get one. And I ended up finding one in the model shop back home in Ballarat one day and my mum went in and got it. And that's why Jamie Winkup, well, I presume he's still got it somewhere. Maybe he's, uh, he's uh, put it in his office or something. I'm not sure. But uh, that's the story of how Jamie Winkup got his 2006 Bathurst winning model. And it's worth it, worth having because... Of all the cars in this list, it's the second most, well, probably third actually, but it's definitely the most valuable Ford at about nine hundred bucks. Yeah, for sure, mate. Like, I mean, it's it's one of my favourite models. Uh, you know, the passing of Brock that year, the the pure emotion around that win. You know, Lowndes, Triple Eight. You know, were starting to really hit their straps. Um. So, yeah, I think $900 is, is a fair price. Uh, I can see it climbing in the future as well. It's, it's, it's a really good detailed model as well that Classics have produced. And, um, you know, 5250 and uh, they're, they're still hard to find now. There was, uh, as you said, 5250 of those. That was the BA Falcon. The next year, the BF was largely the same car, just slightly uh, modified it with its arrow and the, the rear wing and uh, the side skirts and, and, and the front spoiler, the front bumper section wasn't as long with the lip out the front of the front spoiler. But I reckon that judging by the fact that they made 9,000 of the 2007 winning Vodafone car, do you reckon that was them really trying to cash in hard on the, the Lowndes, Bathurst winning thing? Vodafone was a strong brand. That's a massive jump from 5,250 to 9,000 the following year. In fact, of all of the Bathurst winning cars of this decade that we're covering in this episode, nothing comes close to 9,000 units. That is, that's huge. Yeah, it certainly is. So, you know, that number would have come from, uh, you know, the popularity of the year before and, and seeing the, the price increasing. So when they put an 07 order form out, you know, the numbers were dramatically bigger. Uh, the pre-orders were dramatically bigger. So so the run's going to be dramatically bigger. And uh, so I think that's holding the price back on that car right now. Uh, so, you know, $400 is is what I think they're worth. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just purely pre-ordering. And when we jump to the, the next year, we'll see a a bit of a uh, reduction in the numbers. So 2008, they won again, three in a row for, for Lowndes and Wink Up. 4,550, so less than the 06 winner by a fairly comfortable margin there of what, about 700. So we're talking about $600 for that one, given the the quantity is, you know, not totally small, but nowhere near as big as 07. It's a, it's, it's a far harder to find one. Yeah, that's right. You know, it, uh, at, at near half the numbers, um, there's that many less in the marketplace and uh, $600 is, uh, is a fair price for that one. Okay. Tell me, I'm really interested in the next one. 2009, Garth Tander, Will Davison, the Toll Holden Racing Team VE Commodore. So, again, uh, by this stage, the model deal for Walkinshaws and HRT had changed from Bianti to Classic. So, Classic got themselves another Bathurst winner. 5,300 of those produced, so a decent number, certainly far more than the Holden winners of the early part of the decade. 
do you think that's hurt the value of that car, given it's it's a factory holding winner, but it's not Lounge, it's not Scaife? Uh, is it the fact that they've just produced 5300 that means you're putting that one at about $250? Because of the, the list of cars we've looked at today, by far, that's the that's the cheapest price. Yeah, look, it's a hard one to, to really work out why this one has never really fired on the second-hand market. Um, you know, you can easily get this model for $250. Um, uh, and I, I, it is a lot of models for a Tander-Davidson driver combination and, and no disrespect to them. But, um, yeah, that one has just kind of sat there and um, has, has not taken off at all. Oh, well, we'll wait and see if uh, those two boys can win some more Bathurst between them and people start to go back and collect their cars as they perhaps get to the end of their uh, supercars racing career. 2010 was a 1-2 for Triple Eight, and by that stage they were in Commodores after being in Fords for so many years. So that was their first year in Holdens. They rolled out with a 1-2. Craig Lowndes, Mark Scaife, the winners, runners-up, Jamie Winkup and Steve Owen. Uh, the winning Triple Eight car, 5,000 of those produced. but So there's 300 less than the previous year's winner. But because it's a Lowndes and Scaife car, I guess there's a bit more uptake because it, it's it's worth, in your guesstimation, around the 500 mark. Yeah, no no doubt that's the case. It's, uh, it's you know, the drivers make a, a big difference to how many get, get produced. So, uh, yeah, 5,000 done. Uh, there was actually also a, a pre-race release of that car. Uh, I remember, done. that's right. Yeah, so, but because it had to be done, many months prior, it was actually slightly different livery to the actual car that raced and, and won. So there is another one out there. Um, it's a different box, so that's how you can tell the difference. Uh, so, yeah, $500 is, is a good price. Uh, uh, Classic Collectibles also produced it as a twin set uh, at, with Triple Eight having the one-two uh, finish. So there was a 1,000 sets of the, of the twin set. And uh, I think $600 will get you the twin set, which is only $100 more than the single car. Good deal if you're trying to get value for cars. The one for 500 or two for 600 It's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, and a nice pretty box too. Uh, yes, that's all important. You've got to have the box right. So for this little stanza of 01 to 10, we're looking around the seven and a bit grand mark when you add all of those numbers up for the sort of value. So... Uh, next week, uh, post-Christmas, pre-New Year, we will step you through the remainder of the Bathurst winning cars from 2011 right through to now. And it's probably a really good point just before we go to give an update. This has been perhaps the most eagerly awaited, drawn-out, difficult, tough uh, model-making expedition I think any company in Australia has had to go through. Uh, the team at Authentic Collectibles have copped a lot of flack for the last... 12 to 18 months about their Mustang supercars. But you've got some great news about the 2019 winning car of Scott McLaughlin and Alex Premer. We certainly do. Uh, they are on their way. They are currently travelling across Australia as, uh, as we speak. So expect them to be at all, all the stockists within, um, you know, the next few days after this podcast uh, is out. And uh, we'll certainly... Uh, be doing our best to uh, process all our pre-orders and get them uh, back out the door. So uh, that one's on its way. Also uh, in in the uh, container with them was uh, Fabian Coulthard's 2019 season car as well. 
Okay, so good news for fans of DJR Tim Penske and uh, those who collect Bathurst winners. Uh, I know it's been a really long, hard process. And I know there's been a lot of frustrated customers and people who've pre-ordered have been hanging out to get their hands on this model, but it is uh, just about in their hands. And then that will flow on with the the other Mustangs that will, will come in, in the months to come. So great news there. And we will cover off that one as part of our next podcast, which is our Last one of the year with the Motor Focus Model Podcast as we cover uh, the Bathurst winning cars of 2011 right through to now. And we can put that grand tally. You get that spreadsheet out during the week, mate, and start to tally up all those numbers on how many, uh, who, what, when, where, why, and how, what it's all worth. And uh, we can figure all out that final number before we break for the end of the year. Episode 15 is in the books of the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Don't forget to head to the website, motorfocus.com.au uh, of course join the collectors club 5% discount it's got to be done it's the best way to be uh, Dim what's going to happen for you for Christmas uh, I guess you're taking the, the big days off Christmas day boxing day New Year's day but otherwise uh, Motor Focus is, is open for business yeah that's right uh, I'll be watching the boxing day test on boxing day uh, but uh, we'll I won't be having any time off over over this period due to uh, Authentics uh, landing the the, the uh, Bathurst winner on us. So we want to be able to get them turned around. So we'll be here. Uh, just close the public holidays. Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Don't forget visit you uh, at Stockwell Place in Archerfield, Queensland. Of course, you can shop online at motorfocus.com.au. Can you believe it? It's nearly Christmas. We've made it. We've got one more week. In fact, we had decided we were going to stop now. But when we did the, the Bathurst winners uh, secondhand market segment and we mapped it all out, we thought, no, nah, there's room for one more. So we will squeeze out one more episode before the end of 2020 uh, in a fortnight's time. And we can run through those last secondhand market cars. Uh, I'm sure we've got a big list of questions that we can mow through to finish off what's been a a really, well, big year, but a strange year in in so many ways. But in the meantime, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everybody who's got on board during the year to listen to the Motor Focus Model podcast. We've had a pile of fun bringing it together. And I think probably the big take out of this going into Christmas, mate, is that we've converted back some people who maybe drifted from model cars and collecting or motorsport on the whole, and we've reignited their passion in a year where uh, it was probably pretty easy for a few uh, fires on various things to get burnt out. So it's great to have people up and about and uh, thinking about model cars and motorsport and hopefully we've put some smiles on some dials. Yeah, absolutely, Noons. The feedback's been great. Uh, the, the hobby's really sort of lifted this this year with uh, what's what's going on with in the world. So it's been, been great for everyone involved. Um, but yeah, Merry Christmas to all our listeners and to you, Noons, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll be chatting in between uh, Christmas and New Year anyway. You'll have to roll me back to the microphone after Christmas Day. I've got a funny feeling I might attack that Christmas lunch and dinner with some amount of vigour and verve. It's got to be done. This Christmas only comes once a year, so you've got to go hard or go home. So I think that's what we'll be doing. But We will talk again in a fortnight's time. Everyone, again, thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. We'll chat to you before the curtain closes on 2020 on the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Chat to you then.